0: This episode of Literary Treks is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create a professional website, blog, portfolio, and now an online store with the new Squarespace commerce feature. For a free trial and 10% off your first purchase on new accounts, go to squarespace.com trek and use offer code TREK4.
1: You're listening to Trek FM.
2: taking all these books? I thought I'd take some light reading, in case I got bored.
0: Welcome everyone to another episode of Literary Treks, our dedicated Star Trek books and comics podcast. I'm Christopher Jones, and with me, as always, is my esteemed co-host, Matthew Rushing. Matthew, how are you doing this week? Doing okay, Chris. Uh, It's hump day, which is Wednesday,
1: for those who don't know. And Kate is going to have a field day with that. Um, But, you know, we have recently been talking a lot about uh, the weather every time we get together, Chris. And Worf and his extremist group, they've actually struck my house now. The air conditioner is out. Uh, Really disappointed. Yeah, turned on the air conditioner today. Doesn't turn on. Luckily, the heater works. So just in case I'd really like this place to feel more like Vulcan... Then uh, I'm in luck, but uh, I'd really rather be on Andoria right now. It is quite humid and warm in my house, so
0: goodness, Wharf. come on! Yeah, I'm surprised that you refer to it as the air conditioner because, of course, I refer to it as the environmental control system.
1: Well, that's true. Um, I'm I'm more of uh, in the vein Dr. McCoy. So I tend to call things by their old school names like the Georgia mint julep uh, and and things like that so uh yeah you you and your fancy highfalutin environmental control systems i I don't know anything about that
0: i I think there was an anomaly affecting my environmental control system recently it was an anomaly caused by an anomaly that was oh. just making it a little bit too warm in my ass.
1: wow are you Are you on Star Trek Voyager right
0: now? Because that sounds like a plot from one of those episodes. I think it's actually a line spoken by Harry Kim at one point. And we'll find (laughs) out because in the feature today, we are going to talk about four different Star Trek Voyager comics. And we're going to be joined by Tristan Riddell from To The Journey. But before we do that, let's jump into the news that we have this week, Matthew. And first up, we have some great news that... David Mack and Greg Cox have both been nominated for the Scribe Award.
1: Yeah, this is really exciting. Um, the International Association of Tie-In Media Writers has announced their nominees for the latest set of Scribe Awards, uh, and they recognize excellence in the field of doing tie-in novels. And, and as we talked to Greg Cox last week, we have talked to David Mack before, you know, writing a tie In novel and in those universes is not easy Um, you know Greg talked about really needing to be able to mimic uh, the style and the 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 voice of these different characters from all these different universes and these authors really do it well Um, and I'm very glad that they are getting this recognition
0: yeah yeah it is hard because if you don't get that aspect right it really throws the reader out of the story so that that is a unique challenge to tie-in fiction. But again, you know, David and Greg, two of the great tie-in writers. I'm very glad to see them nominated for this award. And Mac was nominated for the next generation novel, Cold Equations, book one, The Persistence of Memory. And Cox was nominated for The Rings of Time, which was a TOS story.
1: Yeah, both Um, great books. Uh, If you haven't picked them up and read them, I I would highly encourage that. Um, Especially just uh, Dave Max being in a trilogy, so you're going to keep going with that. And then, of course, uh, getting to to jump in with the TOS uh, crew on Rings of Time. You you won't be disappointed.
0: So, very excited about that. We'll be keeping our eyes open to see the results and find out if they actually take home these awards, which are, again, from the I-A-M-T-W, which is um, a little bit hard to say, but the International Association of Media Tie-In Writers. All right. Well, let's move on to the next item here, Matthew. Uh, This is Seasons of Light and Darkness. And what can you tell us about this one?
1: Well, it's not a new novel
0: in the JJ universe. I know it sounds
1: like it might be, but actually... This is going to be a new ebook novella. You know, we just had Stuff of Dreams come out by James Swallow. We're going to be getting another one. I really like these because they're great one-shot reads. You know, you can usually read it in about an hour because they're about hundred pages or so. Um, and uh, this is going to be by Michael A. Martin, and he told uh, Star Trek Books community fan page that his next story is going to be a TOS story, and it's going to be starring Doctor McCoy. And, you know, you know that I really love uh, Dr. McCoy. So I'm really looking forward to this. And uh, we'll be seeing this in June. So that's really exciting to me.
0: Yeah, that's nice. I do like the novellas because some, sometimes, especially if you're on a commute, it's, it's great. You can, let's say a commute here in Tokyo. You can take one of these and start reading it when you get on the train and finish it by the time you get to work. So it's it's a perfect size for Star Trek fans who maybe, you know, want to just get a quick little fun fix from from great authors. So glad to see that they're doing a few more of these now.
1: Well, let's skip over to comic news. And uh, what do we have coming up for us
0: in July, Chris? Yeah, well we're going to talk about July. I, I've, you know, I've been doing these shows now for a couple of years and I always find it interesting how when we talk about comics, we're we're always looking so far down the road and we 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 don't even have ongoing number 20 yet, but we're going to be getting ongoing number 23 in July, which is part 3 of the official sequel to the film that's called After Darkness. This is really interesting, Chris,
1: because um, you know we've kind of been getting hints of this throughout the film with the Klingons and, and the, of course, with the brand new trailer. It looks like um, the galaxy's on the verge of all-out war. I, I almost feel like it's a Star Wars episode, uh, but uh, no – it's not. It's just Star Trek, and the drum beats of all-out galactic war are growing stronger in this J.J. universe, and so it uh, looks like it's going to be up to Kirk and Spock and McCoy and the rest of the Enterprise crew to do something about that. So I'm wondering, are we going to see an all-out war in the comic, or are they going to wait for that in the third movie? And, and how would that work? I mean, you would you would do a whole war in the comics, and then... You know, get to the movie and like if you hadn't read the comics, you didn't know there was a whole war. I just...
0: I don't know. Yeah, it would be interesting. If a new movie were coming out in one year, maybe there they could use 12 issues to bridge the gap between the potential of war and the actual outbreak of war. But we know we're going to have three years at least before the next movie comes out. And I don't know, that's a long time to kind of keep something like that going. So I don't know. We'll just have to see. But at least we do have some idea now what we will be seeing in ongoing as we move beyond the movie.
1: Well, and it does say here that the adventures of Kirk, Spock, and the crew of the Enterprise continue. So apparently the big three most likely are still around, you know, Kirk, Spock, McCoy, um, and uh, it, the, it seems like most of the crew of the Enterprise is around as well. And the Enterprise is around. So, for all you people who thought that the Enterprise is going to crash in the next film, it's not going to happen.
0: Well, but you don't know that. It just says the Enterprise, you know. A new ship is going to have that the name Enterprise. True. So That is true. You know, it You're could right, be You're new right Chris. I'll,
1: I'll retract. It could crash. Plenty of letters
0: oh. in the alphabet. I love that quote. All right, well, we have one more theme coming out in July. This is Star Trek Volume 5. And this one is going to gather some more of those character backstories that we've been seeing and ongoing. We're going to have the McCoy backstory. We're going to have the Scotty backstory where we get to see him try to beam Porthos to San Francisco via Mars. (laughs) And uh, also we're going to see Sulu and Chekhov's first meeting at Starfleet Academy and uh and how everyone, you know, comes together to be on the Enterprise. And so that's all going to be gathered together in Star Trek volume 5. So if you've been waiting to pick these up as they're gathered in omnibus format, that will be coming to you in July.
1: Well, next we have something really interesting, Chris. Um the Library of American Comics had collected the Star Trek Newspaper Comics Volume 1 together and uh, come out. I still haven't gotten a copy of it. I really need to get that ordered because I've heard it's fantastic. Um, And they've now started working on Volume 2. But they're on the lookout for more. Um, They've already located a batch of the strips uh for 10 stories and, and what they're really hoping for is to reach out to the fan community to find higher quality versions of some of them because they'd really like to reproduce this at the highest quality they can so if you have any of the actual dailies from february 1982 through january 1983 uh, and you'd be willing to lend them to them for scanning purposes or provide high-resolution scans, um, they really like you to contact them at info at com, And this will really help them to be able to put together the highest quality version of this book they can. Um, Now, they do say uh, they do need the original strips, not photocopied versions. Uh, So if you do have any of these, uh, please help them out because... I'm really excited about picking up the first volume of this and uh, and seeing what the second volume will hold as well. So this is a really cool thing, uh, and it's something that uh, we fans can actually help do. And as you've said a million times, Chris, you know, Star Trek has some of the greatest fans out there. They're great at collecting. So this is where your collecting can really come in handy for the entire community of fans.
0: Oh, most definitely I'm looking forward to seeing the first volume of this. And of course the second, when it comes out, I completely missed these newspaper comics when I was growing up. I, I, they weren't in every paper and I don't think they were in the papers in Birmingham where I grew up. So this is, it's great that they're collecting these and they can get them out to all the fans. And we'll put a link in the show notes to who you can contact. The editor is Dean Moloney, And of course, uh, Matthew just gave you the email address, info at LOAComics.com. And again, if you go to the show page for this show, trek.fm slash LT17, there will be a link there as well uh, so that you can contact Dean if you happen to have some of these comics and you want to be involved in the project. And elsewhere in what IDW is working on, in September, there is another reprint on the way, Matthew. This one is Best of Klingons, and it's going to be coming out in September.
1: Yeah, this is going to be really exciting, and I love Klingons, and what I really like is that this cover has Chang and Gorkon on it, so I'm really excited to see this. Um, It's going to include an original four-part DC start to the original series, Um, and then it's also going to include the six-issue Klingons Blood Will Tell series. By Scott and David Tipton, and so uh, this looks really good. I'm really excited to see this. I'm also hoping that maybe IDW will do a digital version of this as well, um, because that's really a lot of the way I like to consume most of my comics these days.
0: Yeah, me too. Just because it's the only way I can really get them in Japan, and also because they just look so beautiful on the iPad. The artwork just pops. So much. I, re- I really love it. Uh, th- this says that this volume is more fun than is allowed by Klingon law. So I'm going to be really careful because the last thing I want to do is be sent to Ruhr Pente after reading these.
1: That or just be on the wrong side of somebody's mechleth. I mean, I just, yeah. Um, so if you're going to be reading this around any Klingons, um, I, I'd say make sure they've consumed copious amounts of blood wine. And then that way, you'll easily be able to deflect any of their advances towards you with a weapon.
0: That's good advice. Okay, very last item in news before we jump into our feature with Tristan. Ongoing number 20, which we have been waiting for, has been delayed. And I don't know, IDW, they just have not been able to catch up with the schedule after the delays that originated with dock strikes in the US back around the end of last year. So this is still going to be delayed, and ongoing number 20 is scheduled to be out now on May 8th, which will put it just about a week before Into Darkness launches.
1: And we'll we'll talk about it then for you.
0: Matthew, let's take a break for a moment here and talk about our sponsor, Squarespace. Now, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create a professional website, blog, portfolio, And with the new commerce feature that they've introduced, you can even put together an online store in just a matter of minutes. You can be up and running. You know, they've worked out a deal with Stripe to make it very easy for you to accept orders and process credit cards and handle all the different aspects of commerce. There are so many things that you can do with Squarespace. Now, I use it in two ways myself. I use it for my personal blog. I also use it for Trek FM, which is a very large site. Uh, and I use it for uh, some other sites for uh, clients that are a little bit smaller than Trek.fm is, but still very robust sites.
1: One of the other things that I really like, Chris, is the fact that you can import seamlessly. Uh, you know, for me, I, I use uh, a WordPress blog. And so if you're using WordPress or Tumblr or uh, Blogger or Squarespace 5, you can easily import all of that content from those blogs there to help create your brand new blog on Squarespace, which I don't know about you, but I spent a lot of time setting up my blog on WordPress. And so I was uh, really excited to see that Squarespace offers you this portability to just be able to take everything you've already done and to be able to move it over to your brand new blog on Squarespace. And then, of course, use all those fantastic tools that Squarespace gives you to make an even better blog.
0: Right. It's a great feature, too, because as we'll tell you, you can try it free for 14 days. Uh, They don't even ask you for a credit card. But you do have access to this feature during that time. So you can take your WordPress blog and you can import that into your trial site on Squarespace and see exactly how it's going to look. And then you can use the tools, like you said, to tweak it and uh, make it your own, and then you can compare that with your experience on WordPress, uh, and it doesn't even impact your existing WordPress site. So, you, so you can try it out. Uh, Matthew, we talked about the commerce feature a little bit at the beginning here, and it's really, truly, never been easier to start selling online than it is with this new Squarespace commerce feature because it lets you add a fully integrated store into your website. And more importantly, it allows you to instantly start accepting payments and accepting payments is the real kicker because that's what has always been as I've uh, set stores up for clients, as I've set stores up for myself, that's the big sticking point that always requires uh, research and jumping through a lot of hoops to get it set up and working.
1: Definitely, Chris. And along with that, um, making it very easy to uh, manage your store really painlessly by managing the inventory, processing the orders, making sure that uh, you get to be uh, print out the packing slips, you can customize the emails. Um, and all of these things make it so easy to be able to run your own personal store and what you would like to sell on your website. And All of us, I think, would like to be able to earn some extra money, and this is a perfect way to be able to do that through your Squarespace website. In
0: addition to those points of the commerce feature, I'd also like to point out that you can quickly set up multiple shipping methods. Uh, You can set up coupons, a variety of coupons. And a really big one, which actually can cost you quite a bit of money in having to bring in consultants to set up for you, is dealing with tax rules. Uh, this Squarespace commerce system will automatically handle the taxes that you need to charge on these purchases because it can get really complex, uh, especially in the United States where you know each state, even each city, county can set their own tax rates. Uh, you've got states like California where they have different tax rates that need to be uh, handled for these online purchases uh, throughout the state. That's all taken care of for you here. So it's uh, just Out of mind for you, the system does it for you. You can focus on making great products and uh, selling those through your site. So we'd like to invite you to try this for yourself. It's really easy. Squarespace gives you a 14-day full-featured trial. No questions asked, no credit card. You just go sign up, create the account. Uh, You have access to all the tools. And then when you decide to sign up, Squarespace has an offer for Trek FM listeners. You can get 10% off your lifetime purchase on new accounts by using the offer code TREK4. So the way you do this is you go to squarespace.com slash TREK. Do go to that URL to tie it into Trek FM and use the offer code TREK4 and you'll be up and running in just a matter of minutes. I guarantee you, you're going to love it. Squarespace has everything you need to create an exceptional website, and you'll be supporting our sponsor and helping us bring this programming to you each week.
1: Well, Chris, we have a special treat for everyone. We are going to be talking about Voyager comics. Now, these comics came out quite some time ago. Um, and IDW has republished some of these great old comics from Windstorm, and uh, they we chose this section because we also wanted to have on our illustrious colleague Tristan Riddell, international sex symbol from To the Journey, <laughs> To the with Journey, us to talk To the Journey. Exactly. I, I if Char was here, she would say you both failed. Um,
0: so. <laughs> She's been more lenient with us recently, though.
1: we wanted to talk these voyager comics and uh tristan welcome to the show thanks for coming on
2: oh no thanks for having me i uh as you know i love voyager but uh you guys can bring me on even if you don't talk about voyager i mean i do know other other star trek besides voyager i mean i i I love myself some janeway but i also am a fan of the cisco and the archer and the picard and all that
1: i think he's aiming for my spot chris (laughs) sounds like it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: well, he is a shampoo well, model today, apparently. So
1: That is true. I mean, international sex symbol and shampoo model. I can't compete.
2: <laughs> that might be a joke lost in our
0: audience right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we always have screen names as we record, and that's, that's uh reminds me of the old Fabio commercials a little bit. But before he did the <laughs> I-can't-believe-it's-not-butter commercials.
2: And get hit in the face by a dove or a goose or something like that. I can't remember. <laughs> mm.
0: That's
1: true. You have cut your luscious locks, though. They're not quite as long as Fabio's. So, it's true. Uh, yeah. Well, one of the cool things I noticed about these comics is I was just looking at the whole thing, and I, and I like to look at um, the credits page to see who's responsible for these. And, and one of the cool things that I found was that Drew Struzan, a uh, famous movie poster artist, done such things as a Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Harry Potter... Um, just is m- so many famous films, um, that he's responsible for he had actually did the cover art for this book, which I thought was really cool. I love his artwork. And then the second thing was, is that these were originally edited by, uh, Jeff Marionette, who is, uh, a Star Trek author and, uh, his newest book, The Folded World will come out at the end of the month. And, uh, he was also the VP of marketing for, Windstorm and the editor-in-chief for IDW for a while. So he has a long history with comics. So I just thought that was a uh, pretty interesting uh, background on these comics for everyone. Um, for those who don't know, because uh, we haven't told you, we're reading Star Trek Classics, Volume 3, Encounters with the Unknown. And all of these revolve around Star Trek Voyager. And uh, just general impressions, guys. Give me your general impressions. Tristan, what did you think, uh, just kind of reading through these four different comics
2: uh, I was I was bored to tears. I, uh, <laughs> Were you really? I was, yeah. I really was. I was <laughs> trying to find something like while I read all of them in one day, yeah. And um, I didn't parcel it out because I wanted I wanted to just consume it as much as I could. And as I was reading, it I was like okay, like I'm a very critical person when it comes to comic books, and um, I just couldn't find anything that I liked and nothing at I, all. Okay. I, no, not really. I mean like I don't like one-off comics yeah. uh, very much. Like uh, you know I I love season-long storylines, yeah. but Well, um it was nice to see the crew again, I guess you could say.
0: Well, I think that's a good point because we we have a mix here. We have False Colors, Avalon Rising, Elite Force, and Planet Killer. And when you talk about one-off comics, False Colors, the first one in this collection, is one of those where I don't know, I got, I thought it was an interesting idea. It had sort of a live fast and prosper kind of vibe to it, where you've got these <laughs> aliens who are posing. And in this case, you've got these aliens who are posing as Borg. And the, the idea is kind of interesting, but I got to the end of it. And I'm thinking like, you know, if this were an episode, this would be like act two right now. And it doesn't go yeah. anywhere after that. no. Well, Tristan,
1: one of the things, too, I was going to ask you, just because you haven't been on the show before, uh, you mentioned one of the things that, uh, you know, you like about comics. Uh, just give us a little history about you and uh, Star Trek comics in general, and just comics and how what you like and what you don't like.
2: Huh, that's, um, oh, that's a really interesting question, because um, my first star trek comic i was extremely young and it was a next generation comic and it was when next generation was still on the air and uh it was a mirror universe um comic of next generation i mean like i think like will Riker had an eye patch uh Worf had this gigantic scar on his face and um it uh locutus was in there like picard was locutus in the mirror universe and i can't even remember the plot but i just remember being floored Because I I wasn't a big comic fan until I found this Star Trek comic. And I was like, whoa, 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 this exists? Like, Star Trek stories outside of television exist? This is a thing? That was my, yeah, this was my first exposure to that. And so I thought that was amazing. And then I read more and I was like, oh, Star Trek comics suck. And so I went on to something else. Um, And so I became a huge Batman fan. Ah, excellent. So that's basically it happened. Like, I still have that comic somewhere. I, I still have that comic somewhere, and um, so, I keep it just to remind me.
0: So you're waiting for the Star Trek Batman and Robin crossover series to start at IDW, right?
2: I would watch that. Um, maybe not Batman and Robin, but I would like to see the Dark Knight somehow make his way onto the Enterprise and then try to find his way out. Like, it's kind of a... Um, where they can't detect his presence because he's wearing a neutronium cape, you know. Ooh, neutronium like that. cape, good call. Yeah. The, the yeah.
0: seven crafted in thirty minutes for him, because she's also a seamstress.
2: <laughs> no, okay.
1: <Well>, Neelix <laughs> yeah, is a seamstress. If you if oh, you caught that too, it, he really is. In in uh, that that comic here, he says, "Oh, I can help with that." I know. I like that. And then they send her to the doctor. And everybody gets fixed up by the doctor, and Neelix is helping for some reason, because yeah. now, not only is he a cook, but he's also a seamstress?
0: I can do like, that. What?
2: I... Yeah. So, it, it, we're, we're talking about the comic book False Colors, where they say, like, okay, well, let's go over to the Borg ship, but we have to pretend to be Borg, so let's dress up like Borg. <laughs> and did you notice that once they got there, the guys immediately ran away and then Seven took off her Borg outfit immediately so that we could see her in her original outfit. Right. And then like two minutes later, Chakotay and Tuvok take it off, thus making it completely pointless that they dressed up like Borg.
0: They were just trying to give Neelix some busy work, make him feel like he's part of the crew. <laughs> it's just so strange.
1: Well, and I thought it was interesting because I guess I guess maybe the internal logic was, okay, we think that this is a Borg-run ship, so we need to dress up like Borg so we can fool them. Once Seven realizes that those people aren't Borg at all, she's like, oh, well, there's no reason for me to be wearing this stupid outfit. I mean, people want to see me in the blue outfit anyway, so I should take it off.
2: <laughs> see, exactly. That's why she took it off. But the thing is, that kind of logic is flawed in the Star Trek universe, because whenever they've gone onto a Borg cube, they've been completely ignored until they were a threat, no matter what they were wearing.
1: It's very True. Very true. So, um, apparently, Neelix and the Doctor just needed something to do in this comic. And so, um, <laughs> even though it was completely useless, we, we're going to give them something to do. Um, yeah. And I, Anyway.
0: And, and all the scenes after they dress up as Borg and they're heading over, they have, um, well, there's the scene where they're jumping out of the airlock and... That I thought JJ Abrams would love because, you know, in Into Darkness, there's lots and lots of jumping off of stuff going on. And That's I, immediately what I thought, too. Uh, I guess, I, was, yes. <laughs> it
2: like, was, I immediately thought about trailer three.
0: Right. <laughs> Let's jump off stuff. And then I had the first contact vibe where they're walking along the hull in their spacesuits. Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, yeah, that was actually a, a pretty cool scene, uh, you know, and, and a good idea, you know, okay, we have to get on the ship. We need to do it in, in a kind of a sneaky way. So, we will spacewalk? And you don't see that a lot in Star Trek. So, I liked that idea, comic-wise, that you can do that. And, you know, obviously it doesn't cost right. you any money. Except the so, ridiculous
0: um, case in Nemesis where Data actually flies f- far through space to get over not talk
1: the- about Nemesis <laughs> on this podcast? I mean, these comics, at least this, this issue, was, was not good. I just... It's bad enough. Let's, let's not bring Nemesis into <laughs> <All right>. it.
2: <laughs> I, I do like your point, though, Matthew, where, um, where it's like you can do whatever you want in comics and it doesn't cost you anything right. more. And I like that we got to see a, a non-humanoid alien in Planet Killer. I, um, okay. I enjoyed that. I'm
0: glad you mentioned this because there's one thing about that. And I agree. It's, it's cool that in comics they can do these non-humanoid aliens because in reality... Other life in space is not all going to be humanoid with two arms and two legs like us, but of course there are mm-hmm. not a lot of alien actors walking around Hollywood, <laughs> so they have to do this. But what I found interesting about that race in Planet Killer is that the design of their ships looks a lot like them.
2: I could yeah, not that tell was the difference. Really, and really what, interesting. And what
0: I was thinking, okay, and in this case, it actually looks really cool. But I was thinking, like, what if we designed our ships? To look a lot like us, and there's like this giant head floating in space, and you've got like arms sticking out of the hull.
1: So it just looks like Superman flying in space. The ship, like it would be, it would be like legs or the engine action
2: figure in um, Star Trek: The Voyage Home. Like when it, when they complete the the wrap around the sun, and you see that <laughs> that mannequin float through the water real fast. Yes. That's, that's, that's pretty right. much what it. That's would be. what it would look like. <laughs>
0: But I was picturing, so much of that ship looked like the alien's head, and so I was picturing a ship that looks a lot like us, but it's mostly head, and it has, like, little limbs coming out.
1: (laughs) The only thing, though, that I didn't really understand about that issue, uh, and uh, we were talking about Planet Killer there, is that alien wakes up and speaks English? I know. What? Like, there's no... Oh wait, we have to configure the universal translator at all. It just automatically opens its mouth. It's not even a humanoid. So it that, it opens some the first kind of time orifice. We've seen that in Star Trek. Yeah, I just well, I'm going to say uh, that,
0: but that happens on the TV uh, series all the time too. I mean, every yeah. the, the only series that actually handled universal translation in any realistic way at all is Enterprise where they actually had Hoshi trying to decipher languages. Because it's it's you know, I I, I can I can buy the idea that this universal translator works immediately when you're dealing with known races. And, and there could be hundreds or thousands of known races, but they often encounter completely unknown races, and they're able to communicate with them as well. And so it's just one of those things where I guess the TV show would be pretty boring if they spent the first 20 minutes right. just trying to figure out how to say hello. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Week like, after uh, week. I- so. <laughs>
2: I can't stand it when people are that big of a stickler. Like yeah. I, I know I like Matt, I understand your point, but like when they take it too far and they oh, just yeah. constantly complain about it. You're yeah. Like would you really want to see that on screen? <laughs> would you really You know, like like, by (laughs) the the most boring
1: episode every 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 week. You know, the same thing happens. Okay, they're going to meet an alien. It's going to take twenty minutes for them to learn how to talk to it.
0: And in and and in this comic, Planet Killer, by the time they figure out how to say howdy to this alien, the third planet is already (laughs) destroyed.
2: Yes. Didn't okay. So in Enterprise, it was all about syntax and um, verbal utterings, but I could have sworn that I heard Kirk. In TOS, talk about how it works on brainwaves. And, oh, maybe. Am I uh, on the Universal Translator? Am, am, I, am I wrong on that?
0: Well, I think that the Starfleet one works on syntax, but the one that was designed by the United Earth Space Agency, that one works on brainwaves. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> that one was deemed too dangerous, though, because gotcha. it kept picking up
1: Kirk's daydreams. <laughs> oh, and God. so nobody wanted that. Right. Verbalized. That's what Spock was
2: picking up in his monitor. Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
1: Every time he would look in that special little, you know, thing right there, that's what he was picking up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, so in general, uh, you know, we talked a, a little bit about false colors and, and just kind of how you get to the, the end of the, the issue. And you do feel a little bit like, that's it? Yeah. It, it, there isn't, like, so they get away. Nothing's really happened. Um. I mean, I guess it's like Voyager, so we just hit the reset button and go on.
2: And how lucky was it that half the, the Borg half of the ship was literally cut down the middle? I mean... I know.
1: It's fantastic. <laughs>
2: like, none of the systems were integrated. It was all just on the starboard side <laughs> of the ship, and, and the alien stuff was on the port. And so when it split, it was really convenient.
1: Yeah, that, that was my favorite part. I, I feel like Borg, uh, you know, engineers are geniuses. Uh, you know, they really know how to integrate themselves with other ships. They just do it without, you know, really entangling themselves too much, well, that's because just they, in case they have to get out of there.
0: They assimilate all the geniuses on every planet that they encounter. That's true. That's true. Uh, I will say about False Colors, I mean, I wouldn't call it a reset button exactly. It was just kind of like, hey, we ran out of pages, so hope you enjoyed what you got.
2: <laughs> it's kind of that <laughs> feeling. I um, think it was focused on we lived and that's all that matters. Yeah,
0: but... It, it it actually was kind of like a lot of Voyager episodes, though. It was this: hey, we had an encounter with someone, a bunch of stuff happened, and we got away at the end. See you next week. You know, you feel I'm not saying all Voyager episodes are like that, but you have to admit that there are a lot of Voyager episodes where that pretty much is the storyline. It is kind of just yeah. an adventure. And so, I will say about False Colors that uh, I thought the writing was very good. The voices were really good. Um yeah, that's true. I, I, could feel the I felt like all of these they yeah.
1: get the characters. So yeah.
0: Now my favorite
1: page in this one here uh was page thirty eight and uh Chakotay comes over the comm, he's on the other ship and he says, Captain, we have a problem. And she's got her arm on the rest of the of her command chair, and she's got this bored look on her face and she says Why am I not surprised? <laughs> It's like, she's the most bored person on the planet right now. Um, It's like the TV, you know, view screen is is just not giving her anything. Uh,
0: HBO does not come in this far (laughs) away. Uh, And I just loved it. Another thing I like about Janeway, both at False Colors and Elite Force, is that the artist is really clued in on Janeway's two-finger command style. The way she's dismissed with two fingers, and she's like, I need to know now <laughs> with two fingers in the air. <laughs> and, you know, actually, Kate Mulgrew does that on this show, and Art has really picked that up. That's why, actually, Tristan, you guys had an episode of To the Journey, I believe, called Dismissed, right, about mm-hmm.
2: Janeway? It was all about Janeway, just, um, it, was all, it was it was uh, Janeway's best quotes, and yeah. I think all of the ones that I picked ended with, Dismissed! <laughs> But speaking of favorite pages, though, my favorite page—I think I have a different version than you—but it's on my page nine. The abs on seven are insane. They look angry. They're so ripped. Yeah, and it is—I've in, in all of the series, it's it's in it's at, it's like uh, when Locutus, uh, like when Picard became Locutus, and you looked at his abs, um, like the. The metal plating that they put on them that's almost exactly what she has just with her blue outfit and yes this woman was always in shape on the show but it looks like she was training with the spartans before she came into this comic book
0: well that's that's what you get in comics right it's when we get to elite force i was really impressed at how ripped all of the 24th century mako are because yeah they are they are just rippling chests, insanely
1: ripped it's did you guys play that video game I did. It was fantastic, actually.
2: I think it's probably the best Star Trek video game ever made. I can say that easily.
1: Yeah. It is a first-person
2: shooter. It's amazing. And the storyline is fantastic. And I expected a little bit more out of this comic, but they were trying to cram way too much into uh, too few pages.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, okay. I think what we really need to do, though, is we need to uh, take a little break. And uh, because we're really gonna like this next comic, and I think we need to talk about the piece <laughs> de résistance, which is Avalon Rising. Uh, this comic is, I think, the comic of comics. <laughs> I um, think so. And uh, it, it, I mean, it's it's fantasy and sci-fi <laughs> and Camelot all thrown in one.
0: This is Barclay's ultimate holodeck fantasy. If he had been, <laughs> um, if he had been assigned to Voyager, this is just right out of Barclay's brain, right here. You know, I read, I read Avalon Rising last night before I went to bed. I was really tired, and I decided to read Avalon Rising, though, and as a result, I ended up going to bed laughing because <laughs> 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 this comic just, oh my goodness, I mean, Janeway. Uh, what is she? She's like a cross between Wonder Woman and Xena, Warrior Princes, and... And Witchblade. Yeah, that's Witchblade exactly it. and every woman who you've ever seen in a Pantene commercial. <laughs>
2: uh, it. When I saw the cover of this one, I was like, what have you guys gotten me into? <laughs> <laughs> and... I scroll through, and I seriously had no idea what I was gonna get. I was so confused for like the first half of the comic book. I was like, <laughs> "What am I reading?" And I did like how, uh, out of all the characters that were in it that were retold through the Doctor, Tom Paris was the only one who didn't change. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like he was exactly. still sarcastic and a smartass, and and the story um, about
0: him is exactly the same. I need someone to <laughs> guide my ship. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you're the best.
2: <laughs> this was very reminiscent of the Star Trek Voyager episode Muse, where Belana was crash landed on a planet, and it was much more um like our uh, Greek and Roman days than our medieval days, and where she had to tell this guy stories, and he would perform them in front of his his audience. Right, exactly. And, uh, he yeah. would get everything just about right, and uh, so yeah, it's it's basically the same concept. Tell except me there's no weapons.
0: The ship. Is there any better artwork than this ship in a comic? They couldn't have gotten any more inventive
2: with with the sail. The The sail on the mast is literally just a combat.
0: I mean, so for those who haven't read this, you'll see when you pick up this comic, and you have to pick up this comic. If there's one Star Trek comic that you read in your life, it's got to be Avalon Rising. And this is an old clipper (laughs) out on the ocean. It's wooden, but the sail has the... Starfleet insignia, uh, circa Voyager, you know, with the kind of the rectangular base, Uh, and then everyone in medieval clothing. As they sailed the in armor, open yeah. seas, and yeah, armor with
1: and, a uh, with a faint Starfleet coloring to them. So Janeway has a red, Kote has his red. Yeah, you got Tuvok in his gold. <laughs> I mean, it just it's hysterical. It's fantastic, um,
0: and and they have the Starfleet insignia uh, etched into the wood on the side of the ship as well. It's it's, and it's they beautiful just craftsmanship.
2: Phased the Prime Directive. I mean. <laughs> They phasered it, took up, uh, picked up the dustings with the dustpan, and threw it out the airlock. It's just ruined this culture.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I like the way that they just do the Kirk thing to get around it. Oh well, this other race has already ruined it. You know, they're going to destroy themselves if we don't get involved. So we have to get involved. Yeah, 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 you know. So that part was a little acceptable, but
0: and then at the end, it's completely the Kirk thing as well. Where they ask the doctor, well, you have to leave. Can you at least give us a new mission before you leave? It's like Janeway's like, no, we can't do that because, you know, you're on your own now. We can't do that. We would be just as wrong as the other people. So look, I know that we destroyed your entire lifestyle, but you figure it out. We've got some other cultures to go mess with. It's totally Kirk.
2: From TOS. But right before that, the doctor's going to give you our values, <laughs> and then we're going to leave so that your values are now replaced by ours.
0: Way to go,
1: emergency medical hologram. Way to <laughs> yeah. mess everything up. Oh, but-
0: emergency medical moron. <laughs> but he had to do it before he completely disappeared, right?
1: Well, and that oh, part yeah. didn't <laughs> make sense either. Like, if the doctor doesn't have legs, if they're disappearing photonically... There's no way he can walk, oh, there's no way he can do anything. Well,
0: my favorite scene here is when he's disappeared almost to waist level, but he's still riding a horse.
2: yeah <laughs> yeah, he's not disappearing, he's just turning blue. like that's <laughs> okay. pretty much what the comic was gotcha. telling us, like, okay. oh my gosh, I'm losing my color. This could be really bad.
1: <laughs> I'm going to black and white
2: <laughs> yeah, it, at least just... he wasn't
0: going to plaid <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, oh, it's man. just, I don't... I I hate retellings that don't follow the same rules, and none of these comics follow the same rules. Yeah. And, like, either the the mobile emitter works or it doesn't. Either it's flickering or it's working. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm slowly degrading or... Um, yeah, it just, well, it just bugs
0: me. My solution, because I've always been concerned about the Doctor having the hollow emitter on his sleeve in the first place, because, I mean... You know, there's turbulence in space. Sometimes you have aliens grabbing at you. You know, you might get caught as you're running through the brush. I think they should replace his mobile emitter with this headband that he's wearing in this comic. Oh, yes. <laughs> with the, that with, would be wonderful. And, and so the mobile emitter would be the insignia, the Starfleet insignia, right in the center of his forehead attached to this metal band that runs all the way around his head.
2: Okay. I think it needs to be in a cup like an athletic cup that it just wears. <laughs> and uh that way it, you know if it gets smacked around it has a cup to protect it because if we all remember in Equinox his counterpart literally just tapped him on the shoulder and he went
0: to nothingness. That's a good idea. And also because it would be in the lower section that would help solve mm-hmm. some of the problem of his legs disappearing all the time because Exactly. Yeah. You, you get that's more true. that's more emission down there.
2: That's uh that's in my head canon. The Doctor's <laughs> l- Athletic Cup.
1: What I what I want to know though, uh, just I want to know what the frame of mind was writing this comic <laughs> and thinking, you know what? What if they ran across a planet where everybody just looks like they come from our medieval time period, but they they don't look quite like us. They they've got little you know bumps on the side of their head, and uh, but. It's basically gonna look like high fantasy and from every single like I'm sorry, no, no, not high fantasy. Let's do every single trashy fantasy novel we can
0: find,
2: I mean, like every t o s episode ever,
0: yeah,
1: so <laughs> I think what let's happened, just do that I just, what I, was they what were they thinking i think
0: this this is what happens when you spend the day doing a Lord of the Rings marathon and <laughs> drinking, and then by the end you're really drunk and then you pop in. Voyagers, Heroes and Demons, and you oh, watch yes. that while you finish off one last bottle, and then you decide to put together a comic. And this is you get Avalon Rising.
2: You are exactly right. It is a mixture of Heroes and Demons and Muse that it is the perfect combination of those two episodes, which weren't really great episodes to begin <laughs> with. Let's be honest. I mean, there wasn't not, there wasn't anything inherently wrong with them, but it was. It did not become the more. It did not become more than the sum of its parts.
0: But admit it, you had fun reading *Avalon Rising*.
2: No, I did not.
1: <laughs> I I did have fun trying to put myself into the writer's shoes uh, and and trying to get inside their head, and then realizing I can't. I, I don't know what they were thinking. I was cursing um, both of your so. names the entire time I was reading this. There's
2: okay. There's a very Right before the uh, DC reboot, where um, the universe um, kind of went back to zero and all new issues were coming out of Batman Flash and uh, JLA and everything like that, uh, right before that happened, they had a really, really awesome uh, Batman storyline where he got thrown in time and uh, he had to uh, make yes, his way... yes, R.I.P. Was it R.I.P.? Yeah, he died I can never remember the his, title. Yeah. And he had to make his way back through time, and like there was a caveman version of Batman, there was a uh, a medieval version of Batman, um, a Salem um, version of Batman during the witch trials, and it was just really interesting to see what the world would be like if Batman or a type of detective like Batman would be in that realm. And when I kind of read the concept of this comic, I was really hoping it would be something like that, but it was not.
0: And did Batman ask someone where are we and did they just say we're here as we're they do here, in Planet Captain. Killer here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that was in uh, that was in Elite Force. Oh, that uh, was that in Elite Force. Yeah.
1: So let's move uh to Elite Force. This is uh, I'll I'll show my hand. This is probably the comic um that I enjoyed the most out of the four. Uh Planet Killer is not bad. It, actually, it was the end that ruined it for me. Um, because, you know, you had 30 minutes to create a solution and apparently 30 minutes was enough. Um, you know, what would take Starfleet engineers yeah. probably a century to do. Uh, anyway, um, so elite force, uh, really does follow the game in a lot of ways. The same characters are there. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're setting up this team. Uh, to be an infiltration unit for when they uh, encounter the Borg or other such enemies and and so I I like that I thought okay this is going to be good and on a whole you're right Tristan they throw a lot of things into this but I feel like this one was the one that has the most cohesive story all the way through to the end like
2: yeah, yeah. This I think that nit- that's definitely my opinion as well. I mean, even though I didn't like any of them, Elite Force was the one that I liked the most, uh, mainly because of nostalgic reasons, because I played the video game, and I loved the video game characters, and I felt like this comic book could have benefited more from following the storyline a little bit more closely of the video game, and also focusing on the hazard team instead of trying to throw in Tuvok and Janeway and Seven and Jacote as much, because in the game we we don't we hardly see them at all it's really just about the hazard team which i really enjoyed
0: yeah now when did chill become a badass because in learning curve i cannot picture that Chill doing the stuff that chel does in this comic
2: intensive yeah. training from tuvok yeah,
1: he went to uh tuvok's remedial school for badasses and uh <laughs> Yeah, uh, there's he a really lot of
0: bulked up, a lot of powerpoints yeah. going on at at Tuvox Remedial <laughs> School for Badasses. There. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I never understood why um, the hazard team was always in red. Shouldn't they be in gold B- or black?
1: Yeah, I mean- or black.
2: Yeah. Let's make it that way.
1: Let's, let's put you in a suit that's really visible. Right. From, let's, let's pick you know, the, the most visible
0: up. color that we have. Why don't we just put like, oh, you know that old Spock helmet? Have you guys seen this? It's apparently from the 70s. It's like a, it's a helmet and it has a giant red police light on top that, that spins and flashes. And on the package, it's like Star Trek Spock action. And it's got this kid wearing the helmet. It's the weirdest Star Trek collectible I've ever seen. <laughs> Google it. You'll find it. <laughs> <laughs> they should just put those on the hazmat team here <laughs> they might as well We've got the red shoulders just put the red flashing light helmet on top of them and let them go
1: <laughs> what i what i did like about this comic is the lines that seven has towards one of the members oh, of the, about, the hazard unit he says when you're digging yourself uh,
0: yeah. up. that hole you're digging is getting deeper uh
2: as how does he say? Uh, I mean, as Borg butt goes, you got... <laughs> don't dig yourself in any deeper, Mr. Beesman. As
0: Borg butt goes. <laughs> you got as it going Borg on, it Borg. goes. <laughs> well,
1: it's. I mean, it's true. It's Seven. I, you know what I liked in this comic? Is that Seven straps on a normal uniform. She puts on the uh, the Elite Force uniform. So yeah. if Seven can wear the Elite Force uniform, why can't Seven just always wear... A science uniform.
2: That would have been like, nice.
1: Like Jan Zia. Come on, seriously. There's no reason that she can't do it. It's just ridiculous.
2: It. They gave some sort of crap reasoning at the very first episode she was in
1: oh when, well, um, i know i, yeah, I remember it hearing
2: it scorpion part two where they're like yes i uh designed them myself like the doctor saying, he's like i designed them myself uh it'll Obviously. help <laughs> with her implants or something like that yeah
1: yeah it'll help with her implants <laughs> that's what he said her borg implants <laughs> yeah apparently the doctor at that point had become a pervert <laughs>
2: <laughs> the doctor says i've just yeah.
0: adjusted her implants yeah exactly <laughs>
2: I can can see that, doctor. (laughs) Uh, Matt, you you read the same article I did about um, Ronald D. Moore and his experience on Voyager and he talked a lot about how ridiculous it was to be in the same room as Jerry Orion while she was wearing that outfit because he said, he's like, this woman's basically naked. She's walking around set and she's basically naked and everybody's trying to act like it's okay. He's like, there's no reason to have this in there except for sex appeal. Put her in a real outfit. It was kind of like... To me, it was like Deanna Troy. Her character got much more interesting when she put on the real outfit. Even
0: well, though I, I love Deanna yeah. from but, the beginning, but at least, I know a lot of people don't. At least for much of the time when Deanna was in civilian clothing, she would wear dresses, and she wasn't wearing tight body clothing. The whole it wasn't time. a cat suit. Right? Yeah.
1: yeah. This is like the cat suit of cat suits. I mean, it It just, you know, it, it couldn't be any more cat suit unless she just zipped down the front and then was cat woman at that point. I mean, that's, that's, that's the only thing that would make it even, you know, more catty.
2: If you look at season one of TNG, like not only the women, but the men's, um, uniforms are super tight. And if you look at Tasha Yar, it's crazy tight. Like you see every curve on her, but it has nothing on seven of nine's outfits. Yeah.
1: I don't know what they were thinking, but anyway, back to elite force. Um, I thought that the idea of what happens to them was really interesting. The fact that they kind of get pulled into this null place of space by some, you know, fortunate, unhappy accident, uh, which happens to Voyager all the time. What, what I was going to say, there's uh, an
2: episode, I think it's called The Void, where they get pulled yeah. into null space. Right. And this one just has more debris in it. <laughs> yeah. This
0: one, what does Harry call it in here? It's a null entropy chasm, I believe, something like that. So
1: basically yeah. they throw in the the most amount of techno babble possible. I thought that was <laughs> kind of cool. And then they, you, what they're going to stop is this like force that is building itself to the point where it can then replicate itself. So then it can take over everything. So I thought that that was really interesting. Um And that's probably why I liked this comic the best too. Cause it was one of those things where like, Voyager's doing something that's really going to matter. You know, if they don't stop these people, they're going to start taking over what well, our galaxy. And, uh, you know, there's a good chance we're not going to be able to stop them.
0: Well, yeah, the idea is interesting that it seemed to be kind of like Species 8472 in a sense that they come from some other dimension, some other type of space. And what I gathered from the story was that i don't know what do they have like a liquid form going on something like that but they when they go to a different part of space they start sampling the life in that part of space so that they then can craft themselves craft their warriors to be most efficient at conquering that part of space so if you found them in another part of space they might look completely different than they do here depending on what was going on there but but then Towards the end, we end up with having like a Borg queen type character, this Tarlis. And I wasn't clear if Tarlis is the name of the race or Tarlis is the name of this guy who says that, you know, Tarlis will prevail. Tarlis is the forge. It's like the Borg queen saying that I am the collective and Tarlis is saying I am the mm. forge.
1: Yeah, I thought it was the race because... Um... Then one of the the uh, elite force guys starts to argue with it uh, and he says, you know, how do you know that you're, this is the process that begun millions of years ago? Maybe your makers only intended you to be for research. You know, maybe you were programmed, um, your programming is deteriorated. So, and so isn't this just like he Kirk, just try to talk to it? Isn't this yeah. just
0: like Kirk talking to Landrew? Yes. Yes. This was like another Kirk moment here, I thought. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, I, I did like this comic uh, as a comic. I mean, as a Star Trek episode, I, I would really need to have more behind the story than just pure action like we're getting here. But as a comic, I thought it worked pretty well. It had a bit of a Starship Troopers vibe to it here when the aliens <laughs> yeah, come out. Does. and They're like giant cockroaches and even the the ships look like cockroaches a little bit as well. there
2: was um there was a storyline in the game that i was really hoping that they would have incorporated in the comic book and i can't remember if it's just a tos style ship that got trapped in the void or if it was a tos mirror universe style ship that got trapped in the void and they actually had to combat these the descendants of these of these mirror universe people and they were all wearing their old uniforms and they had tos style weapons it was just really really cool and it would have been nice to see that on the on the page
0: Hmm. That would have been interesting to see. I should go find the game. I, I actually never had that game for some reason. I don't know why. One of the yeah, best first-person really shooters I've yeah. ever played, yeah. I think I was not yeah, really, it's... well, actually, I'm still not really that into first-person shooters. Although, you know, I play a bit now, things like Mass Effect and all that have story and, and shooting combined. So actually, uh, I, I'm sure I would enjoy this game, especially after reading the comic and go get me a get me a ripped chill and and an
2: Ripchill and an yeah. and an Imod and an Imod
1: yeah. Unfortunately, uh, you you will not find any seven butts in, in, in. and <laughs> no. I apologize, but they, those are not available unfortunately. Oh, was that?
0: Did you have to pre-order? Or was that like DLC?
1: <laughs> yes, that was a special skin that you would get if you pre-ordered from GameStop.
2: So there there was an interesting thing like that involving seven though, because when you ordered, well, like when you bought the game, it didn't have Jerry Ryan's voice. It had everybody else's voice, Robert Diamond McNeil, Kate Mulgrew, Tim Russ, everybody, but not Jerry Ryan. And it wasn't even someone who sounded like Jerry Ryan. But all of a sudden, you could download a patch and then you'd install it, and then boom, you had Jerry Ryan. I have no idea why this was done. If it was a scheduling conflict and they just wanted to release the game, I don't know. But um, yeah, I remember that getting so excited as a kid in middle school going, oh my God, it's Jerry Ryan <laughs> on of my computer. You
1: yeah, of course, you were excited in middle school <laughs> about Jerry Ryan.
0: Did you guys notice um, on the page? There's a page where uh, Voyager is going into a debris field that there is a Klingon battlecruiser floating around.
1: Actually, too, there is a uh, Star Wars ship in one of the um, the scenes here where they are uh, in when they first get into this null space. There is a escort uh ship like the emperor has in in episode six, and uh, you'll see it there on the side right next to the second panel
2: yep and there's there's also a star destroyer, oh, yeah, there is yes so, closely
0: <laughs> so
1: uh the artists were having a very good time uh you know just inserting a random ships from oh yeah, that I see the other that. Yeah. star franchise.
2: It's kind of like seeing uh, Serenity in Battlestar Galactica,
1: or yeah, or R two D two in uh, Star Trek O nine. So
2: that bugged the crap out of me when I found out that that was real. Did <laughs> like, it? Really? I was really hoping that that was photoshopped.
0: I think it's cool. It's fun.
2: It, it goes it by it. It goes so, so fast, fast you don't that even you notice. You can't it. even see it anyway. Yeah. yeah, you. So I don't know. That made me angry. I don't know why. I was... <laughs> Well, let's go on to the
1: the last comic here, and it's Planet Killer. And um, spoiler alert, obviously, but they run into another doomsday machine, which I thought was an interesting idea because we never saw that followed up with. And, of course, at the end of that episode, Spock says, I wonder if there are any other of these machines roaming around the universe. And apparently they are in the Delta Quadrant because they always seem to run into them. You know, fa- space is vast. But Voyager will run into it somehow. So, um, was, I thought that's that what that makes was them special, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I don't know if it's special or just the most unlucky ship on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the, this is actually um, for me. I, I really like the story until the very end, where they're running out of page space, and then they just let them solve the problem really, really quickly. Because otherwise, too, the artwork in here is just
0: fantastic. Do you like it? Yeah, I don't like the art. I love here it. I think it's great. I, I like I, th- yeah. I like the art direction. I like the concepts and the way they lay things out. I just don't like the styling very much.
2: See, I'm the exact opposite of that. I did not like the page layout, but I really enjoyed how they drew their faces. But one thing that I noted is that none of the uh characters had the expression that matched the mood. That was going on in the scene.
0: Oh, like the one where Harry there's- is cracking up laughing about how Kirk. Uh,
2: yes. Yeah. The- or like an earlier on, like seven looks like she just woke up from a nap and is drunk. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she's, you know, worried. Uh, she's <laughs> supposed to be worried. It was, it was all through that. They were just like, and I'm going to make him look like this. And there's this- like, but we haven't gotten the script yet. Doesn't matter.
0: And there's the scene where Harry is giving a casualties report and Tuvok looks like, oh God god that harry is talking
2: again (laughs) (laughs) and his ears are gigantic yeah they really are practical joke size big
0: oh but i also like in here that uh, this is probably what tuvok is upset about actually this explains the expression on his face is a couple of pages later harry is the one giving the powerpoint presentation
1: (laughs) Yeah, I didn't understand that. How is that possible? Um but it's a nice PowerPoint presentation. He went back in the Federation Archives and yeah. got some really nice material and you got video
2: footage too. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's
1: it's fantastic. You know, of all the giga quads of information that you can put in, you know, your computer system, one of them is apparently all the video files from every single ship ever to have existed in Starfleet. That's impressive.
0: There's a wonderful screaming facepalm of Commodore Decker in here that uh, I need to take a screenshot of this page and crop this so that I can use it. I have a whole folder on my iPhone of of facepalms that I can use (laughs) to respond to messages. And this This is is a good one. One I really, really need
1: yeah that's a really yeah you could you could really photoshop that really nicely, and it would be a fantastic facepalm. <laughs> bomb so
2: can can we all talk about how lazy using nanoprobes is?
0: Yes, that's what I was thinking <laughs> as I went through. I, this is the the thing like, and it's the problem that I have with Voyager's use of the Borg and how we've talked about this before, how they defang the Borg, and I won't get all into that, but the nanoprobe solution. I mean, you can use it once or twice and it's fine, but it, it does become a thing and it happens here in Planet Killer where every time we need a solution, eh, it's nanoprobes. And and Seven's nanoprobes. basically saying, you know, the Borg tried to stop these guys and didn't work. And yeah, I know that our entire system is based on nanoprobes and it didn't work, but I think, you know, if I if I sprinkle some human hair into it, everything's going to work fine
2: this time. <laughs> That was totally their justification as well. It was like, yeah, it's nanoprobes, but mixed with human technology, because we all know that no human has ever been assimilated by the Borg before. (laughs) Oh, wait, the person talking was a human who was assimilated (laughs) by the Borg.
0: Uh, Uh, So, yeah, the nanoprobe solution is is really, really lazy, and it becomes just...
1: It's the same solution that you get when you you have Superman... And you've created a villain that isn't as strong as he is. So what do they do? They have to bring out kryptonite because it's the only way, you know. So it's the same thing, you know. Borg nanoprobes are like the kryptonite to every single problem you can have. Just throw some Borg nanoprobes at it. It'll be fine. Just, you know, rub some Borg nanoprobes on it. You'll be good.
2: Yeah, like, walk it off, shake it off, rub some dirt yeah. on it. <laughs> I was, um, uh, I, kind of, I, another Star Trek example was, I felt like they did that with Bashir and his genetic enhancements towards the end of the show. Like, uh, whenever they needed a plot device, like, whenever they came, like, whenever a question arose, like, O'Brien was like, well, how are we going to get out of this um uh, this virtual reality that we're in? He's like, oh, well, since I'm genetically enhanced, I'll just tell my heart to wake myself up. And we're like, oh, okay, cool. All right, done. I felt like, yeah, something like there's certain things do. that start off cool, like, um, like his genetic abilities and also the nanoprobes, those are really cool, like, oh, sweet, we can take the nanoprobes and we can manipulate them for our own purposes, like we can wake Neelix up from his neural damage because even though he's been dead for forty eight hours, um, but no, it's just then time after time, yeah, after you have time. to
0: be very careful when you're writing to not become lazy and overuse things like that. Because, yeah, you're right. It, yeah, it, The first time you use it, come up with it, it can be very interesting. But then it starts giving you an easy out. And that's when you, you have to stop. Yeah.
1: Well, we have almost been talking about this for an hour. So um, just wanted to kind of wrap up some uh, final thoughts on the comics. And, uh you know, these these comics are... Are older comics, they're they're not new, Uh, they also I I think really show that sensibility Um, and so I I think in some ways um, comics have become a a little bit more sophisticated than what we're getting here, so I'm trying not to hold them to the exact same standard that I might um, you know, those comics that I read now, that I'm really hoping will, you know, just kind of rock my socks off, and so Tristan just uh, the any last thoughts?
2: I'd I'd have to agree with you, but I think that may only apply to Star Trek comics. I feel like we've I think there have been some really really amazing comic books that are decades older than this, but I feel like Star Trek comics have definitely matured um especially in the past decade and um I think they're uh, these are a far cry from that. And even though I didn't particularly like these comics, uh, even, even though I don't like particular Star Trek things that are out there like fan series and fan fiction or um, certain comic books or novels, I am so happy that they exist. Uh, even if I don't like them, I'm glad that they're out there for people who do because I want the Star Trek universe to keep going. And so that's kind of my positive spin on these.
0: Well, that's good. What do you think, Chris? Um, I'll, I'm just going to run through each of them real quick and give my, my summary of what I think about them. So False Colors, I thought, had a really interesting concept that could have probably been an interesting concept for an episode if they had turned it into that, these aliens that are posing as Borg to try to intimidate other races. But the comic really fails because it just ends and you don't know, it's like, okay, we got away. See ya. So eh, I was disappointed in that. Avalon Rising is, it's insanely brilliant. How's that for a word? It's a bizarre comic that I I would have to say that it's a terrible comic, but at the same time, it left me laughing It was a nice end to my day, and it was really fun, and it had some really beautiful artwork in it, Uh, even though it was basically a ripoff of several Voyager episodes and several other books and movies, and it was just a total rehash, and it was bizarre, but please go get it and read it, because it's just an experience (laughs) that I think everyone should have, uh, Elite Force, I think, would have made a fantastic movie. We know it; it was a video game. Um, I, I enjoyed Elite Force as an action story, and then Planet Killer. It was nice to see them go back to TOS because you know, Janeway likes to sit in her ready room sometimes and say, in the words of the famous Captain James T. Kirk, or Captain James T. Kirk once described so and so as. And so here they actually really incorporate a TOS element into a Voyager story. But, you know, the solution is very lazy with the nanoprobes. But, so it's an okay story. I didn't love any of these comics. Not the way that I am enjoying the ongoing or the Countdown to Darkness comics. But, uh, but they're fun. I think the artwork is good. Uh, voices are good. So, you know, if you're a Voyager fan, for sure, if you're a Star Trek comic fan in general and you haven't read these, it's worth picking up. To get your hands on them.
1: Well, I guess uh, I'd say, you know, Chris, we've gone back and, and read some of the older comics. Uh, we did uh, Frontier Doctor, and I was just blown away by how good that was. Uh, just, you know... All of those were spectacular, I think. Um, and so when I came to this, I thought, oh, this will be fun. You know, the, another great comic series. To, you know, oh, and we'd also read the Divided We Fall series. Uh, which was very that, good. Uh, yeah, that David Mack had done, which, yeah, again, fantastic. So I came series. to this thinking, this is, yeah, this is going to be great. Um, and uh, it's going to be Voyager. We're going to have Tristan on. Then I started reading. And, <laughs> um, I, you know,. I, I think what happens is is that they're writing these comics and they really are in a conundrum of they're writing when I Voyager is still in the air so they have to put everything back in the box very quickly right. um and just like any of the numbered novels do that you might read um for any of the series when they're the show is going on they can't really do very much and so the comics really suffer for that um, for me, the, the the best comics in this series, well, I've I've already given out my hands. Uh, I've already shown it to everyone. It was Avalon Rising, but uh, I really enjoyed Elite Force on a whole. I, I I think I liked it more than anybody else here, and um, I also like Planet Killer until the end. And so, you know, I guess you know if I was gonna have to recommend this, would I really recommend somebody spend eleven ninety nine on on Comicsology? I don't know. If you really like Voyager and you just really like Star Trek comics, I think you'll really enjoy this. If you're just kind of a casual fan, I'd say this probably isn't going to be something you're going to be glad you spent eleven ninety nine on. You know, and if I had to rate this, I'd, I'd probably give this 4 out of 10, 7 of 9 butts.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to give That's it... That's a lot of numbers. <laughs> I'm going to give it... Yeah, t- it was. 5 Neutronium shields. Out of 10? Uh, out of 11, actually
1: yeah okay
0: oh nice i like it um tristan
1: what about you
2: uh, i'll give it one star destroyer (laughs) excellent
1: well that's that's pretty high rating and star destroyers are big yeah they're
0: pretty big i will say matthew that uh, if you do want to read this and you don't want to drop 11.99 periodically through the year uh, at least through the star trek comics app they do like a half price sales on a lot of star trek comics and pick it up then at least for avalon rising
2: Or you could spend even more and you could get that complete Star Trek complete collection on DVD where they're all on PDF form. And so you'd get it for like what, 50 cents each or something like that. Yeah. Well, if you spread it out. Yeah,
0: (laughs) that's true.
1: Yeah. That's definitely the best deal. uh, If you can find that, Uh, and they do still sell that on Amazon. So you can find that there. Well, Tristan, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It was, it was great to have you on. We'll definitely have you back to do um, a Voyager novel or a Deep Space Nine novel, something else (laughs) that you'll really want to seek your teeth into. I I, I honestly have been thinking that we need to have you on – Specifically, when we talk either Mosaic or uh, Pathways. Oh, you better because have I, me on when I, you talk I about know, Mosaic or Pathways. In fact, you know we we may we may you know see if we can have a, a couple of y'all from To the Journey. I, I know that you all <laughs> talk about those. It's it's my favorite drinking game. Um, but tell everybody where they can find you on the internet.
2: Oh, well, you can find me on Twitter at the Insane Robin, and you can also find me on Trek FM Zone To the Journey, where to we talk journey. about all things. St- to the journey. <laughs> exactly. We talk about all things Star Trek Voyager where we give it much love because it needs much love.
0: I think I've heard Riker say that before. <laughs>
2: That's cuz Riker's awesome. Okay. <laughs> Even he was on Voyager.
0: Well, Matthew, that was an absolute blast. Uh you, you said in your closing that maybe you know, you thought we'll have Tristan on and maybe you were hoping the comments would be better and but I have to say the discussion itself was great, and I loved having Tristan on, and I just really had a blast talking about these comics with you guys today.
1: Yeah, it really was so much fun. Um, you know, we we have n- not had a show where we just kind of laughed a lot about some of the things we had been reading, and and so this was a lot of fun to get to do, um, you know, uh, Voyager tends to be a little bit more lighthearted, and the comics definitely were for us, and and so that's very enjoyable, and, and two, obviously just again great to have Tristan on Uh, such a good guy Uh, shampoo model too so I I need to figure (laughs) out uh, what uh, product he was using because wow I gotta say it's too bad he's married
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh my (laughs) (laughs) wait till the girl hears that
1: (laughs) yeah and before I get myself into too much trouble Chris why don't you tell everybody where they can find us
0: Okay, that sounds like a good idea. As Seven said, "In Elite Force, in that hole you're digging yourself, it's getting deeper." Story of my life. So, if you want to, t- <laughs> so if you'd like to contact us and share your thoughts on Voyager, on these comics, on anything else we talked about, in news, anything you'd like to hear us talk about on literary treks, you can go to Trek. fm/contact. There's a forum there. Choose to send to a show and send to Literary Treks, and that will come to Matthew and me. You can also find us over on the forums, which are on our website at trek.fm slash forums. There's a section there for Voyager. There's one for Literary Treks, one for books and comics as well. And you can talk to us and other listeners there about the shows and any topic you want to discuss related to Star Trek. And you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. And of course on Twitter under username trek.fm. Matthew, what if people want to look you up personally?
1: Well, if you'd like to look me up, I'm on Twitter at MattRushing02. And of course, um, I'm on Trek FM doing the book reviews. So if you're looking for the latest book review from the latest Star Trek book, please check there. Uh, and, you know, if you get a chance, give me a comment. Uh, if you've read the book Let me know what you think, either, you know, there on the book review or in the forum. I'd love to have some discussion uh, about uh, what people are thinking about the books that they're reading Star Trek-wise. Even if it's not the newest one, just pick out a book that you're reading and and let me know what you're thinking. Uh, Maybe I haven't read it, so I'd, I'd love to be able to talk about that. And then lastly, of course, you can find you and I, Chris, on The Orb, where we talk Deep Space Nine... All the time, um, we have a fantastic time doing it. Um, maybe you're a Voyager fan who needs to be talked into liking Deep Space Nine. Well, this is really the podcast for you, uh, it's your and so mission. we hope you will join us there. Exactly, it really is. So, Shervin,
0: yeah. you need to start listening. Shervin needs to start listening. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you can find me on Twitter. My username is c brian jones. That's the letter C and Brian with a Y. You can find me pretty much everywhere in social media under that username and in addition to the orb you can also find me each week on the ready room where we talk about star trek news and all the series we start with tos we go all the way through enterprise and we loop back around and it's a nice combination of serious discussion and humor and uh, matthew is sometimes joining me on there as well Also, Matthew, let's take a quick moment and thank our listeners who have left us reviews on iTunes. We've had two recent written reviews, one from Colonel S. Gator1 and one from, and you know, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce this. It's C. Gumprecht, C-G-U-M-P-R-E-C-H-T. And both five-star reviews. They're both really enjoying the fact that there is a podcast dedicated to Star Trek books you know, in the, in the case of Colonel S. Gator, he says he's been collecting Star Trek books for 23 years and he has over 500 on his shelf and he's still going. And that's that's brilliant. And we knew that there are many readers like that out there. And that's why we put together this show. So we really appreciate your reviews. And then also we're going to jump over to our UK store because we can't actually look at all the reviews together. So if you are outside the US and you send us a review, if you leave a review for us, drop us a line and let us know so we can go look in that store. And over in the UK, there's Flippy18UK, who has also left us a five-star review. And Flippy says they don't usually read all of the Trek literature on offer, but this podcast is a great way of discovering what might be of interest to you. So we're really glad that we can help you discover the, the full extent of Star Trek literature and everything that's out there. So thanks a lot for your support as well, Flippy.
1: What we had hoped for the podcast is happening is really getting a chance to introduce maybe some Star Trek fans who haven't been into the books or comics before, uh, see their validity now, uh, especially since this is the only place to get the Prime Universe. So thank you so much, guys for and girls, for giving us those reviews, and it does help other people find the show in iTunes. There's some strange inner working that I don't really understand. I think it has to do with calculating mice it's kind of
0: strange. <laughs> it really is strange. Uh, yeah, I don't know how it works, but, but we appreciate it. Lastly, we would also like to invite you to support our sponsor, Squarespace. You can go over to squarespace.com slash trek and use offer code trek4 to get 10% off your lifetime purchase on new accounts for what I promise you really is absolutely the best hosting platform and the best CMS that you will find anywhere to create a personal blog, a website, a portfolio, or an online store. So go please check it out, squarespace.com trek, 14 days, free trial, no credit card required. And then use offer code TREK4 when you make your purchase. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, live
1: long and read on.
2: You call that light reading? To each his own, number one. Thank you.